here we are. Hi, everybody. Here we are. Episode 37. Hi, Kimmy. 37. Hey, Cass. How are you? No, the question is, who are you really? (laughs) Today we are going to be talking about self-identity and concept. Who, who you think you are. Um, this was very difficult for me. It was an adventure, huh? Definitely, yes. Yeah. Um, so last week when we were talking about Jungian archetypes, the day that we recorded, I had had a therapy session and I was telling you things behind the scenes that had happened in my therapy sec- session and I was like, falling apart at the seams all of my cracks were cracking open and you were like I guess it would be too much to do self concept and identity and I was like yeah maybe and then I saw you a couple days later and thought it might be a good idea to maybe put my brain back together after my really difficult therapy session sometimes that's a good thing though yeah. when your brain it explodes explodes and then you get to put it back together a nice thing. But what happens if I can't get all the pieces back together? You find new ones. Shove them in there. <laughs> so we also did um, self-portraits and I went way crazy on the whole thing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there will be photos, you guys. Cass made an amazing sculpture. A really, really cool. How long did it take you? To make that? Well, the mask, I did it on my face, and I had to lay with it on wet paper on my face for like an hour. And then it took it two days to dry. Wow. And then painting the mask and building it probably another hour. Once I started building it, I wasn't even like paying attention to what I was doing. I was just Mm -hmm. going. So I don't really remember how long it took, but it wasn't that long. Oh, he brought it in. How did you know um, when you were finished? Um, all of a sudden, I felt calmer. Like I was in a state of like a frenzied state of like uh, action, I guess, I want to say. Like a flow of action. And mm-hmm. I looked at it. I got up and walked around it. And then I looked at it. And... Um, I, all of a sudden, my body just kind of went, <sighs> and then I didn't feel like doing it anymore. And that was when I ended it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little busy, I guess. Was it a release to create it? Um, I think it actually caused more anxiety thinking about the ideas behind it. The idea of, like, my, the mask that I wear that people get to see, and then the how I feel on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, thinking about my brain and the way it works and how I'm, I portray something different on the outside. It just caused me anxiety today. So there's the source of your anxiety today. Well, I think that triggered the hormonal... Oh shit show that's happening already. (laughs) Kim and I are in our perimenopausal state and my period was four days late and started with a bang and lots of pain and anxiety and that's where I've been. 
But so I think it was that mixed with like actually thinking about the self. Like Doug and I had a conversation last night where I was like, at the end of it, I was like almost dis dissociative. I was almost like, what is real? Who is a real person? Like, does anyone know who they really like? Mm -hmm. I just went cuckoo bananas with it. It's, uh, yeah, there, it's rabbit hole upon rabbit hole upon rabbit hole upon rabbit hole. Yeah, it's, uh, and then you start thinking about who other people are. Yeah, and like, are we... In their relationship? I, uh. What's got me going right now is this idea of the authentic self and who who you portray to the world, is that really you? And I'm thinking, yes, of course, that's a version of you. So I'm starting to think there are different versions of your authentic self. But I'm, I'm like tripping on, do I really know myself even? Like, have I built up all these walls for so long that I have blocked my own view of myself out? Like, and Doug was reassuring me like, not reassuring me, but he was talking about like the, you know, people who have a lot of ego don't even want to see themselves. They don't even have that thought of right. like, who am I really? <clears throat> yep, they're not and interested. And so since I've been in therapy, I think, and doing all of this work and meditation and reading, I'm like cracking open mm -hmm. and it's scary. And this idea of like myself, it's just a weird idea. I don't know who I am, I guess. Maybe you can be anybody you want. That sounds way too easy. <laughs> <laughs> so how did this project make you feel? Um, <clears throat> oh, gosh. It made me feel more curious and more confused. Mm -hmm. You know, just learning about the different psychological theories about self and all these, you know, people have been trying to figure this out for a long time. Right. And um, I got overstimulated. You don't say. <clears throat> and I got, and I, at one point I thought, I'm just nobody. Like, but it was liberating. Oh, you got liberated. I got nervous. I got kind of liberated. And I also saw lots of different aspects of myself that I hadn't seen before. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I thought to do yesterday or the day before was I'm sitting there writing in my journal about this, trying to figure everything out. And I thought, well, you've got stacks of journals that will tell you who you are. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to go to the library and get a book or look on the internet. You can just go in your room and get that box down and right. dig through it and look. So I stuck with the journal that I had, um, my most recent journal, which is, it's new, so there's not a whole lot in it. Mm -hmm. But I went back and read some of the entries and it was really interesting. Like what, where my mind is, what what's important enough to me to write down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or the stuff that you just need to get out of your head. Right. The stuff that I'm working out. So that was that was a really cool thing to do. Well, I went and got library books. Because that's what books I are do. Good. That's how I categorize. Mm -hmm. 
figure things out. Was there an enormous, like, No, there actually weren't a lot. Really? Yeah. No, I mean, there's a lot of, like, self-help books that goes in that direction, but Mm -hmm. actually the, you know, sort of science of it, there wasn't a lot Hmm. there. But um, the ones that I did find were really helpful for me. And I watched this documentary just by happenstance, on accident. I was just looking for a documentary to watch, and it it was called... um, Three Identical Strangers. It was from 2018. And it was about um, a set of triplets that were separated at birth. Oh, wow. That must have been interesting. And found themselves, found each other by themselves. There's a huge twist and the movie towards the second half starts to feel like you're watching a real life X-Files. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you what the twist is, but it, it was dealing with this idea, the idea of nature versus nurture. But there's a third thing that's sort of missing, like people have the same exact DNA and these three triplets were raised. One was like a working class family. The second one was in like a middle class family with a teacher for a father who was like a disciplinarian. And the third one was raised in an upper middle class family. Parents were doctors, blah, blah, blah. So they had identical DNA. They had loving parents for the most part, but different Mm -hmm. socioeconomical um, categories. But one of them turns out to be mentally ill eventually. And so they were trying to figure out what what this third thing is. It wasn't nature. It wasn't nurture. What is this third thing? Mm -hmm. And then I just so happened to be reading this book. I'm holding it right now called Where Are You? No, not Where Are You? (laughs) We could ask that question, too. Who Are You Really? by Brian R. Little. And um, he talks about the third thing, the third thing that's missing. Kim's taking a picture of me holding this book. I don't know why. Can you see it? Here we go. (laughs) You will soon. So um, Uh. he talks about the biogenic you, which is your DNA, the sociogenic you, which is basically nurture, Mm -hmm. what you get from society. And then this third thing, which is an idiogenic thing, he calls it, meaning personal. So the way he describes it, and I'm quoting here, all individuals are essentially scientists erecting and testing hypotheses about the world and revising them in light of their experience. So what he's saying is, yes, there's nature. Yes, there's nurture. But there's a third thing, because then you as a whole individual set out on your own, and you're constantly all day long testing these hypotheses you're you're a human scientist basically right and you are developing your own self so it's not this this locomotive train we're on where we can't stop it and our dna decides everything and maybe our childhood there's more to it like we we do have determination there is a third thing going on there's not just nature and nurture so that actually made me feel better it's our our perceptions. Our perceptions and our experiences. He says something like, um, oh, the mind is the brain in action. 
Okay. So, so he was describing the difference between <clears throat> your mind and the brain and saying, like, your experiences, the way you experience the, the world, that's your mind. That's how you've categorized existence inside of your brain. Wow. I'd like, to, I'd like to say that you explained that very well. Well, it was really hurting me trying to figure out what the third thing was because I, I, I know, I mean, you and I've had this conversation. My upbringing, if a person were to look at that on paper, mm-hmm. moving around a lot, young parents, poverty stricken, blah, blah, blah. I shouldn't have turned out as well as I have. <laughs> Right? Like statistically. Statistically yeah. on yeah. paper. Yeah. Well, I don't know. it's it's an interesting thing. I Chloe's Chloe and I had a conversation not long ago, um, kind of related to this. We were talking about experiences and how they can harden you or it's it's almost like a teeter totter. You can go one way or the other. Like if you learn to deal with with your environment in a healthy way, or at least in a way that fosters growth, you can overcome it and become greater than mm-hmm. your experiences. Mm-hmm. Or not, you can sink. Wallow. You can sink, wallow, um, or embrace it and become part of it and keep it moving into the future. Right. Um, so... That's, you know, that's a funky space to be in, too. So who's, what determines, right? you know, how that information is processed and how that person chooses to behave is a choice. That leads me, my brain then goes, there were a billion decisions that I have made in my life. Mm -hmm. There are trillions of of parallel universes stemming out from the center of me. Uh-huh. And I ended up here. Like my brain like is oh, it's oh, I've had my having a hard time. <laughs> so Kim had texted me during the week and said, "How about we come up with questions to ask each other about the self?" And I was like, "Yeah, that's a great idea." <laughs> and I went way way overboard with it and like I had decided that there was no self. There were too many selves. What does it all mean? Like, I just, I couldn't do it. And that's when I texted you and was like, I just, I'm giving myself like a pass on this one. Right, right. <laughs> let's just, let's express ourselves in a in a different right. way. Right. So I did this. Which through. is also telling. So oh, when I, I wrote those questions out, just, just stream of consciousness. Right. I just started writing them. And, um. And then I asked, I asked you to answer them and then give me questions. And I talked to my family and they answered the questions too. And I thought the questions themselves are a little peek into myself, the questions that I wrote down. Right. Whereas you, you were like, I can't do the questions. I can't do the list. I need to make something. Well, I answered your questions. That was easy, but I couldn't come up with my own questions. Because th- it was getting too complicated inside my brain. I had timelines going. Oh, I had parallel yeah. universes. I had mm-hmm. several authentic selves. <laughs> Who's real? Who am I real with? You and know, the- like, 
do I even know anything about myself? That's where I was. And I was like, I can't ask. I can't ask any questions about this because I don't know anything. That's where I was. So you made something. So I made something with my hands where I didn't think. Right. I just went. You just did it. Ay, ay, ay. And you made this amazing sculpture. I may be very complicated inside of my <laughs> <laughs> But, but you knew how to express that. You knew. You, yes, you had yes. the self-awareness to say, this is not, the questions aren't going to work for me. I can't draft a list of questions. This is what I need to do. I need to move. I need to express myself in a tactile way. Right. Um, an artifact, a relic, a symbol. Yes. This topic... <laughs> It's a it's, clusterfuck. It's a brain fryer. It really is. What are we doing to ourselves right now? I don't know, but I think it's good. Okay. <laughs> we'll take a break right there and we'll come back with questions to ask ask and answer each other. with you 
Well, the last line is, I found out I'm really no one. Oh, no! So... That doesn't help! uh, (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know. It's, (laughs) gosh, it's just such a fascinating spider web. It's like, we try to find all of these ways to define ourselves, our behavior, our belongings, our desires, our past, our um, ideals, our religious affiliation, all these little bits and pieces that do make up how we move in the world. But is it really us? Is it really? I don't know. Do you think that humans have just gotten too smart? We're we're too self-aware? Like, my dog's not self-aware, not really. He knows when he's hungry or if you're getting too close to his face or something, but... Or his butt. Yeah, don't scratch <laughs> his butt without his permission, people. No, but I'm just wondering, like, in our evolution, are we at some point where we've gone too far in self-awareness? <laughs> I Is that I think that's a really valid idea. Um, because with self-awareness comes responsibility. Right. You know? Morality. And how do we, are we able to um, take that responsibility and and do the right thing? Are there too many conflicts? Aye, aye, aye. You know, it's, it's like Ziggy's, Ziggy's, I don't know, if, is he self-aware? He knows, he, he moves through the world as he sees fit at any given moment. I think he's living in the moment, but where where he's odd compared to other dogs that I've known is that he watches television and can tell if there's an animal on, any kind of animal, cartoon, fake animals. His favorite his favorite commercial right now on TV is about the new um, the dragon movie, How to Train Your Dragon. The oh, there's third another one's one? coming out, Aww. yeah. So they're fake. And so I always ask him, like, oh, are you offended by cartoon cats or whatever? So last night you saw that commercial and I'm like, oh, so mythological cartoon creatures offend you too, Ziggy? Anyway, you know, I know that, like, dogs can't see themselves. They don't understand pictures of other dogs. They, you know. They go by smell, mostly. Right. That's their Or your reaction. Sense of reaction choice. to humans. But mm-hmm. I just all of this that I've been reading about all week got me thinking like are are we are we at a good point in the self-awareness measure or are we at the point where it's too much and our little human brains can't handle it or is that me personally (laughs) well or is it just part of evolution is it just we're having a growing pain we're having growing pains Maybe. Maybe some of us are and others aren't. Maybe it's an individual journey. So should we talk about the questions you came up for us? Yeah, we can talk about the questions. And your son answered them, too. He did. That's really interesting. He just turned 18. It's not something that an 18-year-old boy would normally want to do, like answer questions about himself. Well, I think he and Chloe are both in a state of self-discovery their age you know they're figuring out who they are Mm -hmm. and I think I caught them at a good time maybe (laughs) um they're they're starting to entertain my curio requests nice um Paul answered them too 
Oh. And I told them all. I said, I don't, you don't have to share your answers with me, you know, but tell me what the experience was like. Was it hard? Was it easy? Was it, did you learn anything? Were you, you know, what, what was it like? Just right. to answer the questions, just to think about yourself. So I'm not sure. I'm going to pull up his text right now because I think he just, I think he just sent me his answers. Ooh. On a, a rare peer into the soul of an 18-year-old young man. Um, and he said it was pretty hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. The last question is 20, 20 adjectives that describe yourself, which was hard for me. At the end, I'm like, mm, I'm a female. <laughs> I'm no, a... you didn't. I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> did. Well, I didn't write the questions down, so I need you to ask me the oh, first question. Oh, okay. Let me do that. I brought um, I brought all of my things here in this big, giant purple bag. Kimmy's always got a bag of tricks. I also wrote a poem a while back that, um, that I'll, I'll read if you're interested. Um, it's kind of an interesting story. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. The first one is not numbered. But it says, uh, what, is, what is your first memory of being aware of yourself? So the, I have really, really early first memories. Mm -hmm. I didn't go back to the first one, but the second or third memory I have, I remember walking with my dad um, in the apartments that we lived in next to the swimming pool, and he was holding my hand. And I remember looking up and thinking it was weird that he was holding my hand. So I... My sister wasn't walking yet, so I was probably two. But I remember feeling safe. But I, I could, I don't know, I understood that we were in a relationship and he was keeping me safe. So it's hard to put into words because it's a pre-verbal sort of memory. Right, but yeah. That was the one that came to me, the walking next to the swimming pool with him holding my hand. So you understood that you were two different people. Yes, definitely. And that he was older or he was keeping you safe. Yeah. He was in charge. Yes. I felt safe with him, yeah. That's kind of a nice memory. Yeah. For him. Uh -huh. <laughs> what was your answer to that one? <laughs> um, My first memory is well there there were two the first one that came to mind was when i was much older um i had a vanity and a mirror in my room that my dad got it you know the swap meet and painted and, you know we had swap meet furniture usually mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and i was sitting there on my little stool looking in the mirror and I, it, it was like an epiphany. It was like a freaking firecracker went off in my head. And I realized that I was, and first of all, I knew who I was. I had a very definite sense of self, and it had nothing to do with the person in the mirror. Really? Yeah. So it was like, oh, there I am. There's that representation of me. It, yeah. It was, it was really, it was almost like an out-of-body experience. But it was exhilarating. And... At the time, I remember thinking in my little tiny brain, I wonder if everybody does this. Like, it wasn't, it was novel. It was so 
intense. It was such an intense moment. Wow. It was novel. And I don't know. I've tried to replicate it. <laughs> As an adult, <laughs> I've tried. And I can't. I can't. It So, I don't know. And then another one that I remember is uh, looking into a mirror when I was really tiny, tiny, mm-hmm. tiny. Um, looking into a mirror and knowing that that was me. Like... And being really excited about it, like a new toy, something new and exciting. And oh, look, <laughs> there I am. I'm so cute. <laughs> There's my drool. <laughs> okay, first question. Uh, what What are you afraid of? My answer. So I did these quick so that I would actually do them instead mm-hmm. of overthinking them. Yeah, so, that's the that's the key. Um, my answers were col- uh, closed spaces and abandonment. Mm, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, should I read mine? Yeah, do you on yours? the heels of yours. Yeah. <clears throat> um, something bad happening to the ones I love. Heights, abandonment, isolation. We're messed up. We're so happy. What brings you joy? Music, laughter, breathing. And by breathing, I'm describing (laughs) a certain kind. Like when you are somewhere and you want to remember that moment and you just, well, I, this is what I do. Uh I'll like sort of put my arms out and just take like a huge deep breath and just try to remember what it smelled like and what it felt like. So that kind of breathing, not like, I'm not trying to be like, cutesy like oh breathing brings me joy no I'm talking about that kind of breathing that I do when I want to be in the moment you just absorb right when I want it inside of my soul inside of my cells hi Quinny hey Quinn sorry to intrude what's in the bag you guys are talking about cells and souls we're talking about self-concept and identity today wow who are you I'm Quinn Dean who are you really Dean of Quinn He's, he's an Eskimo. When he gets here, everybody's going to shout for joy. joy. Of course. Yep. Oh, he's so cute. That's I who know. he is. Yay, oh. Quinn. I'm shouting for joy, but not too loud. All right. What makes, what fills you with joy, Kimmy? Oh, the people I love. Watching them grow and learn. Uh, and not just my kids. Being in the forest nature outside time and making things nice uh number three when do you feel most safe this is gonna sound trite but when i thought about it this was the most true statement for right now Mm -hmm. i feel the most safe at night watching tv with my husband on the couch like, that's when I feel the most cozy, like, nothing bad's going to happen. We're just there. He's there. Everything's okay. Everything's okay. I don't have to put on a face. I don't have to pay any bills. We're just sitting there. You don't have a to-do list nope. or any tasks. That's it. <laughs> when do you feel most safe? When everyone is at home in bed and hunkered down for the night. Interesting. Um, other times sporadically. So every once in a while, I'll have a, a sense of great safeness. 
for no that's particular your, reason. That's your pendulum sw- <laughs> swinging because Kim is a worst case scenario in all I scenarios know. kind of person. So she feels unsafe all the time for everyone and herself. Mm-hmm. So when her pendulum swings, she just feels safe for no reason too. <laughs> yeah, I do. That's cute. Uh, and, and then I wrote, I usually, I usually feel safe. Um, I am safe, but anxiety keeps me on the edge most of the time. Yeah, me too. So I remember one time in particular, you and Beck and I were on a road trip. I don't know where we were going somewhere. Probably I was camping, in, I imagine. I was in the back seat. You guys were in the front. The music was loud. You guys were talking. I couldn't hear what you were saying. And I, I just felt so safe in that moment. And you still For, remember it all these years later. Because it was a really wonderful feeling. It was like, oh, I'm here now. Everything's good. I don't know what they're talking about. Music, (laughs) car, moving. It's all good. Their voices. Their voices. They're here. We're all here together. (laughs) Like it was just supposed to be that way right then. Um, What do you like about yourself? Number four. So these are the three things that I put down. (laughs) My enthusiasm, that I'm a doer, and that I'm not normal. I put uh, ability to be open, feel deeply, curious nature, and ability to be creative. Oh, that is you. Number five, when are you at peace? The couple of moments just after meditation every day. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm having anxiety today and yesterday, and I, I answered these yesterday, and I couldn't think of another time. <laughs> But I know that there has to be other times when I'm feeling like when I'm in the mountains, I always feel at peace. Um, I I put uh, during meditation in nature. Oh, the same. Mm-hmm. Same, same. Yep. Yep. Uh, if you could be a different person for one day, who would you be? So I picked a specific person. Okay. Because I was thinking, would I want to be somebody rich? Would I want to be somebody without anxiety? Blah, blah, blah. And then I was just like, okay. Best case scenario, fantasy league. Who would I want to be? I wrote down Michelle Obama. Oh, wow. Huh. I just think of her as like just intelligent and like caring and compassionate and mm-hmm. like a, a good person. Like good down in her core. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would just like to experience being Michelle Obama for a day. Maybe you already are. Let me just say That's that. debatable. How about you? <laughs> I, I had two thoughts. Oh, no. My first thought was a black man. Oh. To gain the experience? Mm-hmm. Uh, to see what to it's see like. To see with different eyes, I see. Because it would be very different right. than me, little white girl, lady. Um, and then my second thought was everyone. <laughs> oh, Lord. You don't have enough time, Santa. <laughs> Number seven, what struggles have you overcome? This, uh, is, this was a trippy. So seven and eight went together, so I'm going to do them together. Okay. I have four answers. Oh, so, and eight is how did you overcome the struggles? Right. So I put panic attacks, mm-hmm. meditation, poverty was luck, being uh, a single parent, luck and work, 
and my self-loathing and I wrote still working on it, but it is getting better. So I haven't overcome it, but I'm overcoming it. And I'm, I'm doing that by, with my therapy, I think, going to therapy and, and meditation also is helping that. Yeah. How about you? Um, I put tumultuous childhood, unhappy parents, depressed, suicidal mother, <laughs> mother's death, <laughs> moving, undiagnosed depression, anxiety, um, and ADD, which I've just recently in the past right. couple years, past year, become aware of. And uh, probably every day I can look back in the past and be like, oh, there it was. I mean, when you told me, I started to look back. And go, oh, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that popped up for me when you told me that you got diagnosed with the ADHD or just ADD or whatever um, was when we used to sit around playing cards together. Mm-hmm. Um, we always played rummy and we would drink wine and play rummy and smoke cigarettes or whatever we would do. And the joke was if we had to ask whose turn it was it was kim's turn and we would we would rib you like mercilessly about that and now i feel bad knowing that you had an actual diagnosable thing that was keeping you from realizing from that it was your like, turn okay my turn's over oh i wonder where the color orange really comes from or making a small origami cat hat or something yeah like okay i'm off to other things now and that's um that's yeah I never took it personal. It never bothered me. I but know. it did remind me that I needed to pay attention. And I'd never, you know, nobody ever really called me out on it. Teachers and stuff. You, my parents was just, oh, it's just the way she is. That's just, you know what I mean? Like You were just not flighty, but, and not absent-minded either. I don't know how to explain it. Distracted. Distracted, Distracted. Yeah. E- I'm very easily distracted. Yes, yes, I know. Most of it's happening up here. <laughs> she sees th- shiny things, but they're inside of her head. They're inside my head, yes. So how did you overcome them? Um, I'm still trying. <laughs> that's honest. It is. And that's and it's like a journey. I don't know that I will ever overcome them. Right. At some point, I thought, I am a broken person. I'm a damaged bag of meat roaming the earth, my favorite sayings. And that's okay. I don't have to be perfect. No, it's not a contest. All of my little hangups and weird idiosyncrasies and um, struggles, problems, whatever, that's, those are mine. Mm -hmm. I can own them and work with them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like having, it's like dug out old manning around in the yard with bits and pieces you know i can do that in my head with my problems right um but i've kept a journal since i was 13 um i've learned about my struggles gathered information therapy meditation um making art and forgiveness and understanding others yeah so you know with with parental issues at some point, it was obvious to me that the forgiveness was the only way. Like, right. they didn't know. No. You know, they there were all kinds of weirdo things. <laughs> they just, they weren't able to. It was just a different fix. time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, 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 
What's the next one? Oh, wait. Family of origin, I think. Family of origin rules. So what family of origin rules or expectations affect your way of being in the world? So for me, the one that stood out the most was, this was a word I heard one billion times growing up, being considerate which in my family meant being quiet, especially for me. Mm, interesting. And this question actually caused me the most uh, grief, I guess, out of the other ones, mm -hmm. <laughs> out of all of them, thinking about that idea of being considerate and knowing that it was a different time and my parents were young and all that, but... Putting other people's needs before your own or expectations? Right. But especially me, out of all of my family members, is what I'm trying to say. Oh, okay. Um, I was, I was the good girl, quiet, did what I was told, cleaned up after myself, blah 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 blah, took care mm -hmm. of my siblings, yada yada yada, and was expected to do it quietly and calmly. And maybe that's not how I was always feeling. But also this idea of quiet was what set me off. Hmm. Um, I've told you and listeners about how my family was always talking about how sensitive I am. I'm too sensitive, too sensitive, too sensitive, too sensitive. Mm -hmm. And part of that is there's a deep traumatic story that goes along with <laughs> about me basically being beaten until I was unconscious because I was crying oh god Kaz so before I can remember it happening my mom told me the story like there's a lot of a lot of trauma in my being and and I I have had problems with my right shoulder my whole life like even I can remember being 12 and like my back hurting and my shoulder hurting this right shoulder constantly and it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. And at one point when I was in massage school, I called my mom and I was like, I don't understand. We were doing these exercises and every single time my shoulder would get worked on, I would just start crying, just bawling, like <clears throat> having an emotional breakdown mm -hmm. with a shoulder. That's weird. And so I called her and I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. And so she told me the story about me being a baby, crying. Oh. And my dad picking me up by that arm and throwing me against a wall, and I, oh my god, fell down to the ground. So the lesson that I had learned even before I could speak, right, was shut up. And that that carried through my whole life. So I, even I can remember being a teenager and and stuttering. Look, I'm stuttering right now talking about it. Um, not stuttering, but like thinking that I wasn't allowed to speak or that people wouldn't remember what I said or that I it wasn't the top the right place or the right time I was afraid of confrontation because I I never I was never allowed to speak up for myself ever or have real emotions really because anytime I tried to have real emotions or had real emotions I was being too sensitive too sensitive too sensitive so this 
question, although it seems like a benign question, like the expectations of your family, your mm-hmm. family of origin, this one hit me really hard because when I, re- I wrote down being considerate, like quick, like being considerate, because I was just trying to do these quickly. And then I put quiet in parentheses and I was just like, <sighs> like I am just now in my 40s getting over this idea of not not being important enough to actually speak. And here I am hosting a podcast. (laughs) So I've had some progress, people. I don't need sympathy, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to help Kim understand that the idea of me being quiet is, it's traumatic. It's painful. Right. It's who I was for a long time Mm -hmm. and who I was expected to be, I guess. So I've actually, in the past few years, been more and more comfortable with actually telling people how I'm feeling or, or exactly what I think. Before, I had a feeling in my body, if I knew that I had to tell somebody something that was uncomfortable or... Let's even say, take, ask my boss for a day off of work. Mm-hmm. The feeling inside of my body was as if I was about to be ripped in two. Mm-hmm. That I was going to die. Some shadowy figure was going to engulf me. You're that was the literal feeling inside of my body. Mm-hmm. And it took me so long to realize that I, that I wasn't going to die if I spoke up for myself. It was a really a feeling of, I'm going to die. Everyone's going to leave me. <laughs> right. That's awful. I'm going to be rejected. Rejected, abandoned, isolated. I'm bad. Beaten. You know. Hmm. So it's taken me a really long time. And so I wanted to let you know that that question got me. But it helped me work that, that correlation out between being considered. Because I say that to, to people. Like a customer service, that just wasn't very considerate. And I I hear that word and it's like, ah, I don't want to say that word anymore. I'm tired of being considerate. Right. Okay, I'm done. Go ahead. (laughs) I think that's interesting that you love to sing. I, I love to sing. And that's one of my answers coming up in one of the next questions. When you were a teenager and you were in the rebellious phase, how did you use your voice then? Was I ever in the rebellious phase? Hmm. I mean, I dressed weird. Do you remember all my weird outfits? Yeah. Um, silent, your silent rebellion? That was a silent rebellion, yeah. I never really did, like bad things right um i wouldn't say but i i tried to look weird i guess and that was kind of also a way of keeping the wrong kind of people away and by the wrong kind i mean like like straight people not straight people i don't mean straight in the sexual orientation way but like straight edge we straight edge straight edge people like yeah conformity Right. I called myself a weirdo. That was my thing. Like, I wasn't a punk rocker. I wasn't whatever. I was a weirdo. 
and I embraced it and I didn't want anyone who was normal around me. That was my rebellion. (laughs) (laughs) What was your rebellion? See, we both had weird things happen around the same age. Like my parents got divorced, your parents got divorced and your mom died. So like, I feel like both of us had like other big things happening that we didn't really... I don't know. I felt like even if I tried to do a rebellion, it would have gotten lost in the shuffle sort of thing. I think a lot of times with rebellion, and I think it's a it's a very normal thing to, yeah. to do, um, especially regarding family of origin rules right. and um, pushing back against those. But when... When the boundaries are so unclear and all you want to do is find them, you don't want to rock the boat. You don't want to rock the boat. You don't, you're so busy trying to figure out where the boundaries are that how can you break any rules? Because you don't, you know, right. Um, yeah, it's more like, okay, I'm already off my feet. I'm already like, swimming in the ocean with no land in sight i i can't i can't throw anymore although maybe some people do you know what i mean they they act out looking for those boundaries and whether that's you know in criminal activity or um severe drug use right you know looking for somebody to keep them safe maybe you and i realized that we were the ones that were going to keep ourselves safe and then we found each other, and I moved in with you at a young age. Yeah. We were both sort of searching for a hand in the darkness. Right, exactly. That sounds melancholy, but it's true. <laughs> well, and I think it's, it, um, I think we were both self-aware enough at that time, too, to know maybe on a subconscious level what we needed. Right. We needed companionship. We needed to connect. We needed each right. other right we needed stable sisterhoodness yeah all right what was your family of origin oh expectation I, I this this question came up because in therapy we talked about undifferentiated ego mass what in a family so families families have their own little set of rules um and expectations and when a family becomes so overbearing, they create an undifferentiated ego mass. And what that means is you there to be accepted by the family, you must follow certain rules. Right. Um, or you will be rejected. So unconditional love isn't really a part of the picture. Oh. I've got a laundry list of rules. <laughs> And some of them are good and some of them are bad. Um, the first, I won't read them all. Because <laughs> look, there's, there's a few. I guess that question affected both of us a lot. That's weird. It, um, well, it's interesting because it is where we start to, it's how we kind of learn to be in the world and how we relate to other people, I think. And, you know? and also speaking specifically about you and I, it's where we met each other. Yeah. Go. Um, uh, lying, cheating, and stealing are absolutely unacceptable and unforgivable. Mm-hmm. Bam. That sounds like your dad. For um, sure. Oh, yeah. 
Um, forgiveness is rare for oneself and others, which is one I'm desperately trying to overcome. Um, if it's not perfect, it's not worthy. Self-reliance is king. Yes, that is your family. Mm-hmm. Do not ask for help. Asking for help is a sign of weakness. Either you are unable or lazy. <laughs> so isolating. Um, uh, one must own one's actions, but only the bad ones. Guilt and shame. Woohoo! Raw enthusiasm and excitement is frowned upon. <laughs> Uh, actions uh, must have a purpose. Aimless exploration is a waste of time. Conformity to roles is essential. Yeah. Self-care is an indulgence and a waste of time. Um, others' needs and wants are more important than one's own. Transitions are scary. And I'm talking about any transition. Yeah. Walking yeah. out the front fucking door yeah okay that's just right and then i had to try to think of good ones <laughs> because i went back and i read i you know came to a stopping point and then i read them i was like okay there's there are good things about your family you know you need to find them um let me see if i can find one <laughs> be adventurous as a release that is acceptable self-care. Right. Being adventurous. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, so there's a whole buttload of them. And then I went back. This was a separate exercise that I did in my journal. And then I wrote down my own rules as an adult. And For your children or for yourself? For myself. Okay. Um, in relation to these rules and new ones that I have that I've made that are important to me, mm-hmm. um, which was also very interesting. Um, a lot, a lot of room for growth there. Oh, Kimmy. <laughs> but it, it's not easy to like, look back and see those things and muck around and all of that stuff, you know? Anyway. Number 10. Number 10. What do you want to do before you die? Oh, be a grandparent. I have no control over that, but I'm really (laughs) stoked about it if it ever happens. Um, Travel way more. And I wrote this one down because it honestly came into my head and I've been thinking about it off and on for years. Although I don't have any particular skill set in this area. Write a book. Has that ever stopped you before? No, it's never stopped me before. <laughs> so I expect I expect a book to come out of you sometime before you die. I'm that's not that's not negotiable. Okay. That's, okay. What would it be? Would it be fiction, nonfiction? I don't know. Huh. I feel like in and part of this is like some people always tell me like if I tell them stories from my life my childhood they go oh my god you should write a book and I, growing up I never thought any of these things were particularly weird or strange or out of the right. ordinary but they yeah. are and so people would always say oh my god you could write a book with that and so I secretly inside the back of my head have been kind of writing the book you know oh so a biography <laughs> yeah but like who would want to read that 
Does it matter? It doesn't matter. You're right. Go ahead. What do you <laughs> want to do before you die? I want to go to Greece. Oh, I do too! Yep, that was on my mom's bucket list. And one of the ways I dealt with her death was I chose some things that she wanted to do. And I decided that I would do them for her. And that was one of them. Um, see my children fully launched. Out in the world. Happy, successful, healthy. Just functioning functioning productive right just go go do good things um clean out all my shit and this was all just coming out of me um by shit do you mean the stuff in your head or actual material things yes okay all of those and this is where the anxiety comes in this is where my struggle with time becomes evident in the and how i answered this question organize photos Oh, I gave up on that a long time ago. I've got a box. It's cool. Yeah. I I get twitchy when I look at all the... (laughs) (laughs) Ultimately, I want to have made peace with myself and my life. I want to die gratefully um, and ready to leave. I also want to go to Ireland and see Stonehenge. Stonehenge isn't in Ireland. Well, I want to do those things separately. Oh, separately. No, I... You could do that in one trip. Yeah. Um, number 11, what does your self-talk sound like? <laughs> Whoa, that's a prickly one. Listen to this. This is what I wrote down stream of consciousness without even thinking. <laughs> Negotiating with a self-loathing terroristic toddler. <laughs> oh, wow. It goes a little something like this. <laughs> um, like, no, you can do that. It's okay. But... No, you, you're going to do this. Like, like I'm an adult talking to the toddler in me who doesn't think she deserves anything. Or she doesn't think that she can do anything. That's sick, right? I have a problem. It's not all the time and it's a lot better than it used to be. See, okay, so this is interesting as far as sense of self goes i think of you as somebody who can do just about anything you decide to do and on days i do too my but i have come to that i have come to that by telling myself do the first thing okay do the next thing okay do the next thing because i have this idea i was a gifted child in school Mm-hmm. I I had the problem where I, if I didn't know how to do, this, do something, I wouldn't ask for help. Because it would mean that you couldn't do it. Then, yeah. Then the only thing that made me special was not even true. Then I wasn't special at all. That sounds like something Lou told me once. I'm sure. I'm sure if you asked a lot of people who were labeled gifted as children, uh-huh. they would say the same exact thing. Yeah. It makes sense. I, it's because like you a, get this idea of yourself. Your self-concept is that I'm gifted. No, I the should self, be able to. The, self-con- the, the concept is I'm only valuable to other people as this. Oh. And if I'm not this, there's nothing about me that no one will, that anyone will like. Oh, God. No. So it perpetuates this wheel of perfectionism that ends in a lot of failure. And over my life, having like being a single parent and 
trying to keep that apartment afloat for a while, not eating, not having a phone, all that stuff. I feel like those types of experiences, although they were really fucking hard and traumatic on me, helped me see like, okay, you just do the next thing. Oh, you want to eat? Get up and go to work. Oh, you don't have gas money? Go sell something. Like, it helped me see like there are steps to success instead of just I'm successful because I'm smart. Right. So, yes, I'm it's so much better than it used to be. But I still have self-loathing and this idea that I'm not worth anything unless I'm doing something, caring for somebody, figuring something out for somebody. And I'm good at those three things. Very good at those three things. Yeah. But it's all in relation to other people. Yes. Fucked up, right? We're all... (laughs) I I mean... Everybody has crappy self-talk. Everybody does. I'm convinced of it. Who walks around? Listeners, if you do this, please drop us a line (laughs) and come on the show. Who? And teach us everything. Who walks around thinking, I'm so awesome. Oh, my God, I look great today. I'm most people can't handle my awesomeness and my perfection. I can't even handle it myself. Oh, you know what I mean? Like who walks around with. With a chattering, positive monkey in their ear all day long. I don't know. Telling them how awesome they are. Except maybe Donald Trump. That's what I was going to say. And then you're on the verge of narcissism there. Right. So I think self-doubt is healthy to a degree. Okay. It's a a growth vehicle. My self-talk is not nice. Let's hear what your answer is to that My self-talk is constantly like... You didn't do this. You need to do that. You should have done that. You could have done that. You failure, 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 failure. Everything. God, that's a great photo. Yeah, but this, you know, makes something and I see everything that's wrong with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I it's like straight to the negative, straight to the negative, straight to the negative. Um and I also don't <laughs> I truly don't think that people <coughs> like me. Like I don't, I don't think, think that people I'm, like me. Either. I don't think I'm a likable person <coughs> and I expect people to not like me. Mhm. Um are we just saying so, the things that everyone thinks? I don't know. I, I hope people chime in on this. Um, because I would love to know how other people think. I mean, I know, like, Paul and I talk about this kind of stuff all the time. And we're in therapy together. And so, you know, we hash this <coughs> stuff out. And I... Uh, yeah. Stupid. Stupid monkeys. <laughs> um, yeah, so lots of... Um, uh, just lack of accomplishment. And I think a lot of that might come from when I was, when I was in school, I did terrible in school. School was not easy for me. Right. 
um, except for the things that I like to do. Like right, right. I, I got good Classic. grades in, in psychology and English and communication skills. You know, whatever it was that I was enjoying, I got great grades in. Everything else, forget it. Right. So I just thought that I just couldn't do those things. Just you can't do it. And so your self-esteem, you, esteem, excuse me, tanks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What is your vocation? So many. I'm a Gemini. <laughs> I like to jump around, jump around. Um, I put past airlines and then lots of other little retail food service, blah, blah, blah. The longest job I had was in publishing as a mm-hmm. um, assistant to the editor slash data entry slash research slash proofreading mumbo jumbo. Um, the latest one was a massage and manu- manufacturer. I was not a, a massage manufacturer. <laughs> I manufacture massages. I manufacture massages. A myofascial release therapist. Um, and I she's also, really good at that. You've only worked on me once, but that was... I felt truly gifted in that. And when I did that, I was in that space of flow that we have talked about yeah. before. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I've also been a homeschool mom, and now I'm, I don't know what I am now. (laughs) (laughs) That was a weird one, because I thought your your vocation is, you know, something you make money at, or, you know, something you've been trained in, that you do. But there's so many other things that, it's, Cass and I are both home, we're house spouses. Right. Um, which entails a skill set that only other house spouses understand. <laughs> There's a lot going on. I mean, oh my God, the things you have to learn and take care of and manage. And uh, when I went to Boston this last blowing. time, my husband called me on the phone, and he was telling me about all the stuff that wasn't getting done, and it was down to like <laughs> one thing where he was like. All of the lights in the house were on. And I'm like, yeah, it's because I walk around turning them off all day. (laughs) And he was like, what? Like, I don't even know if the doors were getting locked or the, you know, he was talking about all the little things. And I said something like, are you finally starting to see all of the little things I do all day long? Like all of them. And he was Mm -hmm. like, I really am. All of the unseen things, unless they don't get done. We've been together for 22 years. And he's just now seeing all the little things I do. Isn't that funny? Yeah. What'd you? So what'd you put? None. Now none. Okay. I'm house spouse, um, a preschool teacher, and administrative work. Yeah. Pretty much. Preschool teacher was my favorite. It was yeah. so much fun. Um. La, 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 la. Thirteen. What roles have you played? We're Here not, they are. We're not talking theater. Well, Here they of. are. Okay. Oh, are we talking theater? Because I did one play in third grade. Life I was is raggedy Ann. Life is like theater. Okay, I put daughter, co-worker, mother, sister, caretaker, wife, girlfriend, friend. Those were my roles. Oh. Why do you look perplexed? Oh, because I forgot about the co-worker part. Oh. Huh. I put daughter, friend, uh, wife, mother, caretaker, and house spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
What roles do you anticipate playing? I only put one word. Do you want to hear it? It's I, exciting. I think I know what it is. Adventurer! Oh, no, I didn't know that. You thought I was going to say grandmother. I did. <laughs> that may never happen, but I sure am going to be more of an adventurer. So awesome. There you go. What'd you put? Uh, what roles do I anticipate playing? Caretaker. That one came to mind, but I didn't want to write it down. Okay, people? I kind of, I I think I kind of identify with that role. I've made, well, maybe not made peace with it, but. You've accepted it. I've kind of accepted it. Yeah. Um, caretaker, wife, mother, grandmother, question mark. <laughs> and I, I don't know about anything else. Right. And I kind of like it that way. <laughs> Number 15, what are your nicknames? Casserole, Sassy, Sassafras, and Cassie Roll. <laughs> Kimmy, Mom, Oldie. Josh Who likes. calls you Oldie? Josh does. He calls both of us Oldies. Joshua? <laughs> Kimmer and then various other ones. We used to call you Kim Marie the Bumblebee. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there was another part to that limerick. Something, something, watch her pee, but I don't remember what... That middle part was Kim Marie the Bumblebee. God, that was a long time ago. Okay, number 16. 16. Is a, is there a natural environment that resonates in you? And I wrote in instead of with. No, I got that. Okay. I understood what you meant. I read it. After I wrote it, I thought I did mean in. I noticed that you wrote in and I went, something that I feel down deep inside mm-hmm. of me is being in the mountains. That's mm-hmm. it. Like I could care less. I couldn't care less about the beach or the desert. I'm not a big fan. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Some people just like Paul's water guy. Yeah. No. He, whenever we are near a body of water, he must touch it. Put his foot in, swim in it. It's like, it's, I need to, I need to walk by the lake. It's snowing in the village up in Arrowhead, you know. And, he's and I see him like, water. look at the lake and I'm like, uh-uh. Nope, we're not going down there right now. Uh-uh. It's 30 degrees. It's snowing. No. I'm even weird about our mountains here in Southern California. Like if I've been away, mm-hmm. I miss them. I they're... miss being able to look up and see them there. They're like they're like the most constant thing in my whole life. Uh-huh. Is being able to look up and see those mountains. I miss those mountains so much when we were in Livermore. Oh. Like for years, I would get up in the morning and look at, and there's, you know, it's, it was pretty. There was rolling hills yeah, and stuff. Yeah, you had rolling hills there. But those mountains, for some reason, are like, it's like a, it's like the great mother's bosom. It really is. It, and know? it's like the backdrop to our whole lives. Mm-hmm. I've spent my whole, well, except for a couple of years moving around to other states, but born here and spent, you know, 99% of my life with those mountains as the backdrop to my life mm-hmm. i've been in these foothills this whole time isn't that crazy super crazy I love those mountains so is mountains your answer to uh forest forest yeah. open space just nature in general but yeah the big trees um the uh have you been in have you been in the redwood forest like avenue of the giants and, yeah yeah that's my happy place. Yeah. 
when I die, I want to be deposited there. It, however, I may be. <laughs> I think in my will, I actually opted for a natural burial. Right. Which is, um, they they put you in a pod. Right. You know, in the ground. So before this yeah. whole idea of pods came around, I told my brother, like, 15, 20 years ago, because he's 10 years younger than me. So I told him, uh-huh. like, right. <laughs> when I die, I didn't know how I was going to make it happen. But I was like, when I die, I want you to cremate my remains, make compost out of my oh, ashes. Oh, okay. And plant a tree over me. Yeah. But now they've got these pods, just easy peasy. So yeah, what else? They're like prefab. That's an interesting question, too, as far as in regards to sense of self is... um where do you want to be buried? How do you want to be remembered? Like, I guess the big question would be how, how do you want to be remembered? That's a big one. This is interesting because my whole adult life, I've been obsessed with my genealogy. Excuse me. (coughs) I don't know what's happening. Talking about emotional stuff makes me cough sometimes. Um, it's your throat chakra. It's my throat. Needs ah! to be released. <coughs> right here. I know. And I here. spend a lot of time. Oh, no, I'm fine. I spend a lot of time and have spent a lot of time um, thinking about my ancestors and how they were as people, what they wanted. Did they imagine that I that I would be here someday? Did they think that far into the future? Like, I spend a lot of time thinking about that stuff. I'm the one in my family that seeks out burial plots and, and genealogies, and I order marriage records, and I have photos and photos and photos. Like, I call myself my family archivist. Mm-hmm. And so in a very surface sort of way, I want to pass all of that on, but I don't feel like anyone wants it. (laughs) I don't think anybody wants all of that information. Like, I don't know why I'm obsessed with it, but I think it has something to do with hoping that someday one of my ancestors is going to want to know who I am. So I don't really care about a physical place to be buried or if anybody has my photo, but I, I, I would hope that I would make my descendants proud someday. That I did something that made them go, oh, that's so cool, you know. To be Even m- if I ha- just have a really good death. Like a good <laughs> death to talk. One of my ancestors fucking drowned in the Mississippi crossing over in a covered wagon. Isn't that cool? <laughs> it oh, is wow. cool. Oh, Ziggy. Ziggy did not like it. Um. That's really interesting because that's, I mean, that's, that's part of being human is, is wanting to pass things on to future generations and wanting to be remembered and contributing. Right. Making a contribution to your bloodline besides more people. Right. You know? And, and I also want, like, I'm always telling my kids and my nieces, like, stories about ancestors and drawing family trees and stuff Mm -hmm. like I want them to be proud of who they are yeah like where where they came from so I that's where I'm at 
It's important, I think. Mm -hmm. I've always felt that it's important. I loved hearing stories when I was little Mm -hmm. from my grandparents and my aunts and, um, you know, both my parents would tell stories. And storytelling is still a big part of our family. Yeah. Um, And it's important. Right. It binds us together and and reminds us that we – we are the product of our ancestors and we have a responsibility to our, our legacy. Deep stuff, Kimmy. Dude. (laughs) (laughs) Number 17. We're getting there. Listeners. Thank you so much for hanging in there. How does music affect you? I wrote two words, deeply chills. Yeah. I get chills too. Um, Music can get me out of my head, out of a funk, uh, teaches me things, helps me look deeper, and gives me a sense of unity. Mm, yes. Um, 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 when do you feel free? free. While dancing, um, singing, and painting. Mm. I forget about time. You artsy and, person. And the the cacophony inside of my head mm-hmm. during those times when you're just focused on something yeah um i wrote engaged in a task i enjoy mm-hmm. and sometimes that's just pulling weeds mm-hmm. you know just being outside digging right. around in the dirt mm-hmm. road trips <laughs> travel and when i'm journaling yeah when do you feel trapped <laughs> this is so sad <laughs> All other times mostly is what I wrote down. Oh, God. I feel trapped in roles. And I've got a, an extraordinary situation with mm-hmm. my my daughter where I am trapped in this role of caretaker. And I probably will be for the rest mm-hmm. of my life in some, unless something dramatic changes. So... That's something that I've actually been struggling with. And part of the reason why I'm in therapy is this feeling of like trying to come to grips with the roles that I have to play. Right. Yeah. So that's why I wrote that. But um, that's probably not entirely true. But it feels like it right now. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a it's a it's a it's a relatively new role for you what do you mean a relatively new idea i mean we've been on this train with her since she was 10 but i i guess the 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 idea that it was a phase or that it would pass mm-hmm. is gone yes yeah that's true except the acceptance part yeah. is is there and in relation to your entire life is right. it's a relatively new yes 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 what did you say um i put trying to conform to anything but especially other others expectations mm-hmm. which i have a tendency to put others needs and expectations before my own right so it's kind of a perpetual battle. Motion machine. Yeah. <laughs> All right. 20 adjectives that describe you. All right. Are you, you ready? Have for yourself. Here we go. Redhead. Freckled. 
Womanly, smart, creative, enthusiastic, emotional, gentle, reliable, sad, knowledgeable, curvy, friendly, caring, curious, kind, funny, loving, contemplative, and nervous. Wow, you did them all. Does that sound like me? Yeah, it does. I had thought of one more and uh, as I was sitting on the toilet last night, but I can't remember what it was now. <laughs> Not... Oh, well. Anyway, what are yours? Uh, um, introvert. Mine aren't as sunny as yours, I don't think. Curious. Able. Capable. Able, capable. Um, easily distracted. <laughs> Open. Compassionate. Empathetic. Afraid. Yeah, I that wrote one, that one down too. That one pooped out. Like, when I say things pooped out, listeners, it means it just came yeah. out. I didn't have to push it out. <laughs> Never mind. Um, afraid, that one was interesting. Um, overstimulated. Tired. <laughs> <laughs> Most mornings I wake up and think, I can't wait to go to bed tonight. <laughs> I don't think I can ever get enough sleep. I need lots and lots and lots wow. of sleep. Um, observant, conflicted. That was another one that just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and I did a little digging with that one and discovered some things I wasn't ready for. Um, sensitive, useful, helpful. Like you should see the look on Cassie's face right now. I don't want you to be useful. Does that mean useful to other people? Mm-hmm. Yep. God damn it, Kimmy. <laughs> Anxious or depressed. <laughs> Pick one. <laughs> Grateful, reflective, heterosexual. This is this is the part you where I started. scraping the barrel This there? is when I'm scraping, right? Uh, white, female. <laughs> and number 20 is stinky. I need a shower, which was true at the oh time. Oh, my God. A lot of these, though, they don't describe yourself, necessarily. Unless we get back into that question, what is the self? What is your, this is more self-concept stuff. And then I found another another very short list um, on the interwebs uh, where you write about um, these five things. I can. Mm-hmm. I have. Mm-hmm. I like, mm -hmm. I am, and I remember, Ooh. which are interesting things to dig around in. I um, took a couple of online personality tests, mm -hmm. um, and the one that is used most often, I my largest score was uh -huh. in the openness. Yeah. Which I feel that that really, even though I can be neurotic and and controlling at times, my my openness to ideas is pretty vast. I feel like yeah, yeah, I would say that. And my lowest nice. score was in extrovertness, which means that I'm a huge introvert, which I knew already. Uh huh. <laughs> which is. You know, the, the idea that you have to be one or the other isn't true because in public I can be very oh, yeah. sociable and funny and the life of the party. But, like, I really, really need my time mm -hmm. alone. 
there were a shit ton of people in my house yesterday and I was like, you know. Yeah. I know that feeling. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what are you, um, what's your uh, Myers-Briggs? Oh, I have it in my phone. It's the, uh, I'm getting there. Don't lose it. I'm getting there. Oh, wait, I need my glasses. It's too small. Um, ISFJ. So introvert, sensor, feeler, judger. Introverts tend to be reflective, reserved, and private. A popular misconception is that introverts are shy. This is not necessarily so. They draw their energy from their own thoughts and the time they spend alone. Introverts do not need people around them all the time. So true. Sensors mm-hmm. live in the present. They rely on facts, handle practical matters well, and like things to be concrete and measurable. Feelers let their feelings and emotions play a leading role because of their concern for other people. That's me in a nutshell. And judges prefer lifestyle that is decisive, planned, and orderly. They like a life that is organized and controlled. And I don't know that I need my life to be organized and controlled, but I definitely have my um, my own patterns mm-hmm. that repeat daily. Um, and those are always the same. Same breakfast, same time, same mm-hmm. number of cups of coffee, same, you know, throughout the day. So right. I definitely have that, but I don't necessarily need, like, everyone around me to be doing the same thing. It doesn't that doesn't bother me at all what about you do you know i'm an infj my therapist says i'm an infj i thought i was an infp oh and i don't remember what it means what is introvert n introvert i don't know what the n is i think it's intuitive oh i can look it up on this thing here this telephone machine um, yeah, she's, I told her what I was and she's not a big believer in no. personality tests. She's like, yeah, right. they're kind of nice to, you know, it's a nice exploration tool, but it's not set in stone. Um, uh, but then when I told her, I'm like, yeah, I'm an INFP. She's all, no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> she's got your number. She said, I think you're an INFJ because you don't like open loops. No, and you definitely are a routine person also. Maybe more oh God, so than yes. me. I I thrive on routine and I and I figured out why in here. Um, well, when you grow up in a chaotic household, you've got to make sense of it somehow. It's nice to have routine, but it's also um I wrote down I need routine to organize my thoughts. Yeah. I can't I can't when I de- when my routine deviates, my whole fucking day is off kilter. Really? I can't. Yeah. I'm like, I am a fish out of water. It's almost like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, it's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a creep? Like sometimes, sometimes I'll, because I have my going to bed routine. Yeah. Sometimes I'll mix things up. Like I'll brush my teeth before I go to the bathroom. Oh, no. You know that kind of stuff? Yeah. No, Psycho, I, I get huh? that. Yeah. <laughs> like, woo, living on the edge today. 
that's scary. Um, INFJs are gentle, caring, complex, and highly intuitive individuals, artistic and creative. They live in a world of hidden meanings and possibilities. Only 1% of the population, oh, wow, only 1% of the population has an INFJ personality type, making it uh, the most rare of all types. You're so special. <laughs> weird. You're so specially weird. When we were in high school, I always identified, you were saying that you called yourself a weirdo. Yes. I. It was the same for me. Like, I'm on the fringe. I'm not going to fit in with any of these people. I felt that about you when I met you. Because you kind of hung out with, like, heavy metal kids, but you weren't really one of them. But you were weird. Right. <laughs> Which right. I actually See? think is something that's admirable in a person. I did, I did, I didn't like hanging around people who wanted to be popular and cared about all that shit. All the kind of conformity, the joiners. Yeah. The no. Jo- yeah. Me, I've never been a joiner. No, me either. To the point where, like, even when my kids were in school, I hated school events where I was going to have to interact with the other parents. Oh, yeah. Because I felt like they were all trying to one-up each other. And I was like, and they, they are, I fucking yeah. want to crawl out of my skin. I don't like any of you. There's, and I'm yeah. sure. Where are the authentic people? Can I find an authentic right. person? Can I find one? <laughs> Just one. That's all I need. One. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I never felt like I fit in as an adult. I still feel like an imposter. Like nobody's going to remember my name. But blah, blah, blah. it's so liberating. It is. It's like I can. It's like. You can duck in and duck out. You don't have to conform to any group's ideals or rules or anything. And it's Mm-mm. it's so cool to be on the fringe. I like it. Me too. Because, yeah, because you can just kind of do whatever you want and go in your room and close the door. And <laughs> I remember um, when I was teaching a belly dance class, one of my students was admiring one of my tattoos. Mm-hmm. And, like, fawning over it. And I was like, and she was about my age. This is the first time you've mentioned tattoos in relation to yourself. Because I don't think about them. You you mentioned red hair, being curvy, feminine. I just don't think about That's them. It's interesting. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Um, But I, so I said... Oh, well, are you thinking about getting a tattoo? Because she was like, how long did it take? How much was it? You know, all the same questions people ask when they see you with a lot of tattoos. Mm-hmm. And I I was like, are you going to get one? And she's like, oh, no, my mother would never let me. And I was probably 36, 37 at this point. Mm-hmm. I don't remember how old I was. No, I was a little bit older than that, 40. And I would say she was at least my age, maybe a little bit older. And she was talking about how her mother wouldn't allow it. Yeah. And that... It made me really grateful for my mother who, like, I don't feel that, like, that something I'm going to do is going to disappoint her or... Right. You'll be rejected. No, because she's weird, too. Or shamed or... My mom's got tattoos. We're all just a bunch of weirdos. Um, I did have one more idea. Do it. Uh, And I'll ask you first. What are your quirks? Ooh. What are, what's what what are the things that kind of get under your skin or that about myself or other people? Um either either way. Like what are your what are your quirks? What are the things that 
I have quirks. Definitely. I um, count to seven when I'm pouring sugar. It's the only time I count things. Okay. And is I it, have to. Now, when you count to seven and when you pour sugar, is it out of the same receptacle, the same container? Yes. And it has been for any container throughout my life that I have held sugar in. Okay. All right. Yes. So it's not necessarily a measuring tool. No, 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 no. Okay. It's a thing. Okay. And it's only sugar. I also... Um, <laughs> I also have a thing about germs a little bit. Not bad. I think I'm on the cusp of an OCD. Uh-huh. And have been my whole life. And I'm just now kind of looking back and going, huh. But it falls into the, like, needing a routine, needing everything to be the way I think it should be because of a chaotic mm-hmm. environment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Quirky things... I think that I sometimes bother people with my enthusiasm. Maybe. Hmm. Like too enthusiastic. Does that go back to the very beginning of our conversation? Where I feel like I'm not being considerate and I'm being too loud. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. Because I I think your enthusiasm is wonderful. I wish that I could be that enthusiastic. I wish that I was like the bubbly, happy person but i'm usually more stone-faced and no but you know what i love about you is that i will come up with some crazy ass idea like for instance starting a podcast and you'll be like yeah let's do it let's do it because you always do that it's okay to be adventurous <laughs> right and you probably feel really safe with me so uh-huh. we can just be adventurous together but like yes, you are true. one of those people that, because I do know people where you cu- you come up with an idea and they instantly have the reasons why they can't do it mm-hmm. yeah. but with you anytime I'm like let's go do this you're like okay let's go let's do it yeah and I feel like I do that too I'm I'm pretty good at that I used to <laughs> yeah. be yeah more of a no person but I'm definitely more of a yes person now and mm-hmm. and I and I love that you are too. Oh, gee, thanks, Cass. Yeah. Um, describing you, I would also call you like one of the silliest, and I mean that in the highest regard. <laughs> one of the silliest people I know. I like to be silly. I we have a basket of toys in in our house, mm-hmm. and they're important to me. I like to play with them. Mm-hmm. I have plastic dinosaurs around the house I do too (laughs) I think it's important it's always important to play when I was a nursery school teacher play was obviously you know it was a it was a developmental curriculum so play was that's what we did right but adults have to play too you play oh a lot yeah yeah and I make up projects for myself it's fun yeah it's important to do that kind of stuff yeah that was also on my family of origin list. Like, you know, it's not, it's, it's not a worthy use of time. Oh. To be playful. See, my mom was always playful, I think. And she was always like doing crafts and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I think we learned that that was okay. My sister and I are both kind of crafty. A yeah. Little bit. That's a 
Any last thoughts on yourself? Um, well, we've talked a lot about ourselves on <laughs> this podcast. And I just, I, it's, it's just been a really fascinating exercise, and I don't think it will ever end. No. I don't think it'll ever end. That's one of the, the conundrums I was in, is that you are a different self every moment that passes. Right. Yeah. And if what this dude, Brian R. Little, says is true, and that you're a scientist rebuilding yourself all the time based on your experiences, you're never the same person ever. You're a continuum of growth and change. Yeah, you just... It's exciting. It I think exciting. it's kind of fun, and it's it's it opens up doors. I think it does. It does for me. Like yeah. I can let go of that expectation from my family of origin. I don't have to. That story does not have to be mine. No, no. I can let it go, and I can replace it with my own story, my own idea, and be open to your own story and your own idea changing. Yeah. It's really kind of cool. Can I can I read my poem because my oh, yes! my self portrait was really lame. Um, which book I is it? I don't think in? so. So your self portrait was kind of emotional to look at because although it was a simple drawing, you looked really sad. <laughs> she goes, "Oh my god, it's so it's so sad." No, what I said she, was, "She's so sad." She's so sad. Yeah, and that's what I thought when I looked at it too, and that's that's one of the ways I identify myself is just there's yeah anyway um um I hope everybody out there knows that I have a thousand different notebooks look here's my journal here's my curio (laughs) journal this is my old journal my drawing pad is at home and my to-do list notebook Journal. is oh, it okay. home yeah i have i have a place where i keep all of my little books all of my books so um i opened up this is my old journal to um try to find this poem that i wrote and i opened up to thanksgiving day and i was having a very conflicted day this past thanksgiving this past thanksgiving um, because of the socializing that was going to have to happen that day, um, which can be really, really hard for me. And I find that I will go into a situation where I'm going to be around new people or lots of people. Um, and I start to get really defensive Mm. and I do a lot of negative self-talk and a lot of negative self-talk about what others think of me. Like I already mentioned, I don't think people really like me. Like, you right. know what I so mean? And I'm fringy. you for them. <clears throat> right. And I'm judging harshly on them. Judging you. Judging. It's just so fucked up. Anyway, so what I did that day is I wrote a list of, and listeners, maybe you could do this too. It was really helpful to me. I wrote a list of people that I admire. Um... And I wrote down all the qualities about them that I admire. And you turned it into a poem? And I turned it... Well, no, this is when I was looking for the poem. I found this list. And I'm not going to read it. (laughs) But it was really helpful. And it got me out of... It put me in a totally different headspace. You could remember that humans were good again? Yeah, and that we're all struggling. And we're all damaged bags of meat roaming the earth. Um... 
so yeah it was like like what three four pages of me like trying to figure out how to deal with thanksgiving <laughs> right <laughs> oh, so sad okay where's my poem um and this this poem was written um this this poem was written during a time of political craziness something had happened and i don't remember what it was well there's um, something new every day so and i was thinking of america um In America's soul. It's called untethered. <clears throat> me, 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 me. You were once young and lithe, a precious canvas blank, blinding all with possibilities, promises of adventure and fortune in the face of every stone. In the face of every stone, every rustling leaf and crashing wave, paths yet to be forged open to uncertainty fearlessness on the wind opportunity seeking a home wide open untethered not knowing of walls cages despair your journey was set and decided long before the time of awareness a glimpse into what could be what would be set fire to the prairie I'm not reading this very well. Sorry, I'm trying to read my writing. <laughs> a glimpse into what could be, what would be, set fire to the prairie, lighting the sky with disease. Spirits whispering of atrocity, challenging your landscape of self-awareness. Be more. Move. Become. Birth is coming. Not rebirth, not again. Not with arms tied to bedposts in twilight sleep with steel tools extracting. This time is different. Pain as waves crash the sand. Awareness. Eyes open. Every sense in tune. Pain. Determination. Determination steeped in the knowing of the ancestors. The light is coming. Grimacing at the perfect, unknowable seasons, the great wheel turns. The canvas is new again, suggesting a glimmer now in the eyes of the new. And then I wrote, <laughs> This poem was intended to be about America, but as Ginsburg suggested, could it be that America is me? Wow. So That sounds hopeful to me. Yeah, it was it was about hope at the time that that there is hope. Things, Things always get shitty and then they get better again. They get shitty and they get better and there's, you know, we drag around all of the stuff with us. All of the stuff, like family of origin stuff and expectations and self-concept and all puritanical hang-ups puritanical hang-ups and and maybe we're all just like ziggy <laughs> when it comes down to it we just growl at people who get too close to us touch our butts stop touching our butts oh, oh i moved Zig. oh ziggy sorry
sorry. All right, that was episode 37, my peeps. My peeps. My little tiny peeps. She's singing again, guys. That makes me feel free. So ask yourself this question (laughs) and answer it quickly so that you can't overthink it. Who are you? Really? And let us know. Because we're struggling. And I think... I, I I'd like to find out how other people answer those questions. I'll I'll post them on the website. Okay. Um what website is that, Kimmy? It's curiopodcast.org. Yep. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh. Thanks for joining us everybody. And and listening to everything about us that you may not want to You didn't even know you wanted to know.